Carl, I'm going to say what day you're doing this because it's important. It is June 17th. And on this day in history, this is one of those days that is a whopper. Uh, the whopper was created by Burger King. <laughs> no, no, that was sorry. There are a lot of things to cover today. So it's just Lynn and myself. We'll begin with beautiful at the Muni. And then around minute 12, the flash. And then around minute 21, elemental. Around minute 28, Maggie Moore's. And then around minute 31, we'll skip back to Carl's date and then how to measure a year. And then around minute 41, the great food truck race has local participants. Okay, so here are fun facts about June 17th. In 1972, five men were arrested for the burglary of the Democratic National Headquarters in the Watergate Hotel. Weren't they plumbers? And we all know what happened after that. In 1994, O.J. Simpson led police on a chase and ultimately surrendered to officers charged with the double murder of his ex-wife and her friend. I'm going to put a dot, dot, dot there. In 1885, the Statue of Liberty arrived from France. And 1971... Carol King reached number one with her album Tapestry, and it remains the longest charting album by a female artist in history. And we can start about this week there because we both saw Beautiful that kicked off the Muni's 105th season. Yes, it's a jukebox, so it's a town before it started the box. And it was beautiful. It is a great show. And what people don't realize is how many great songs Gavin and King wrote together. Yes. She was responsible with her first husband for writing some of the greatest, uh, some of the great American songbook pop hits. to 1970. Right. And the Brill Building pays uh is, is given a tribute in this because it was like a hit making factory don kirshner was in charge and carol went to sell him a song and uh they tell her backstory about her meeting jerry goffin about she wrote the music he wrote the lyrics they uh became competitive with their best buddies Cynthia Weil and Barry Mann, who are wonderfully played in the Muni production. And uh, the musical is so well constructed because it goes up to 1971. It's bracketed. It starts with her Carnegie Hall concert uh, in 71, and she sings so far away. And then it goes into her life. And then uh, they have a troubled marriage. She has two kids. She decides she's going to go to the West Coast. She gets a house in Laurel Canyon. And the rest, as they say, is history. But the biggest thing I overheard Tuesday night was, I didn't know she wrote all those songs. And then people share their memories about what tapestry meant to them. I was sharing that my senior year, which was 1971, 72, Primo, for the album came out in February 71, 
that our senior yearbook was named Tapestry. And this one lady in line said, I think uh, that if you were in high school, then you just got issued a tapestry album <laughs> that, that that every every single teenage girl had tapestry. So you being the music historian that you are, how does Carol King and Jerry Goffin rank with you? Well, you know me, I always nitpick the silly things, but it, it's it's really well done. And a lot of I mean, they made a lot of money just writing other people's songs. So and you what you know about people and why bands tour is because the songwriters get most of the money. And if you're writing the songs, you're going to keep making money on all those songs and all the songs that they wrote are iconic. And I brought my 19 year old with me and I was asking what you thought it was. Do you know the song? Yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, yes. Because even in the TikTok world, some of these songs are still on yes. the mind of kids. Well, uh, for instance, the locomotion, which their babysitter, little Eva, performed. Sang. Mm -hmm. Yes, was also performed by Grand Funk Railroad. And, and Kylie, Minogue. Kylie Minogue. So and, the and hits. Grand Funk went to number one. Little Eva first went to number one, then Grand Funk went to number one, and then Kylie Minogue went to number three. And I'm sure somebody else has done it in the last 30 years, too. Well, it's just a great song. And uh, on stage at the Muni, Little Eva is Kennedy Holmes, yep, her Muni sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And so it's from, fun to from see the voice. Her. Yeah, finalist on The Voice. She got screwed, mm -hmm. FYI. And, uh, but no, it's just, it's just such a blast from the past for, for me uh, and my fellow boomers, it's the soundtrack of our lives, but for other people, it's a blast from the past. And then for everyone, it's about the transformative power of music because so many people have been telling me they knew the words they were singing. They didn't want you to sing at the Muni until I feel the earth move. And right. then people could let it go. But somebody was saying, I remember every word. And yeah, but that's oh, the encore. <laughs> right. And what I liked about the, uh, the whole construction, because I did see it on Broadway with Tony Winter, Jesse Mueller in 2014, that it has the drifters performing on Broadway. It has the Shirelles doing Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? It has the chiffon singing one fine day. So you see the result of this is their song. This is what happened. Uh, it's for the Muni stage because it is, it's for as large as the Brill Building behemoth set that Ryan Douglas concocted. It's still intimate interactions in the office, in the home. The people, Sheriff Shepard, I thought did a fine job as Carol King. Uh, Sharon Hunter played her wife, Jeannie Klein, and she's a local actress. Noah Weisberg was Don Kirshner, and he's a regular at the Muni. Stephen Good was He didn't Jerry, have to sing. Yeah. Jer Stephen Good was Jerry Goffin. And because he's put in a not a good light, 
the audience didn't respond to him as much as they responded to the others. But the, but Shara Shepard had them on her side from the get-go. And right. then Jackie Burns as Cynthia Weil and Barry May and Jared Spector as Barry Mann were fabulous. Barry well, I thought they I thought they would mention the fact that Cynthia Weil died very recently, but they didn't. I know a couple people have brought that up to me. Uh, they had a very long marriage and they had a daughter and Barry Mann, uh, Jared Spector originated that role on Broadway. And I forgot how funny he is in the role because we have seen it at the Fox on the two tours, 2016, 2019. It was supposed to come back during the pandemic, remember? And then they axed yeah. that tour, but uh, he's wonderful. And he's coming back in chess which is going to be July 5th, I believe. And that's going to be exciting because that's another Muni premiere. And he's so he's very talented. And Marsha Milgram Dodge, the director, is a frequent Muni uh, person. And you happen to sit I near her. Well, no, he wasn't sitting. We actually were sitting next to the cast of next week's show, Beauty and the Beast came up and said hello and they were all talking to her and i happened to overhear what she's been up to uh, she's been in japan uh directing and she's been over there for the last two years her story is very amazing and very interesting so i would like to talk to her one day but i think she's on the move again yes she also directed uh, a fantastic production of the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime at the repertory theater of St. Louis when it was one of the first theaters to do it. And uh, she's quite skilled. I believe she's based in Chicago, if I am not mistaken. Charlie Alterman, one of our favorite music directors, is just kicking it with the beat because this show has a good beat and you can dance to it and choreographer Patricia Wilcox. So I think it's a win-win to kick off the season. I think uh, there people want to escape now after the pandemic and, and they appreciate the Muni because we had that season where nothing happened. And then we had the shortened season of five shows and now we're back to regular rotation and all is well in the world. And uh, kudos to Mike Isaacson for winning a Tony last week for best revival of a musical with Parade. Parade is one of those stunning, emotionally uh, heartfelt musicals about a true incident. And uh, one theater company did it here about 10 years ago. And it's so hard, hardly anybody ever tackles it. But uh, anyway, so Mike Isaacson and Kristen Kasky of the Fox Associates, they won the Tony and all's well in the world. And there's some other cases. Speaking of the Muni, Jay Harrison G, who won the Tony for leading actor, he's the first non-binary actor to win that. They were at the Muni in Kinky Boots. He was low. Uh, they were Lola, and they were Roxy Hart in both productions of Chicago last year and the year before. Oh wow! So we have. So we can say we knew him when he played the Jack Lemon role in in uh, some like it hot, and he's still playing it. But but it's fun to say. Well, we saw him at the Muni. So. Right. Uh, next week you, you got to make sure your pronouns are right, Lynn. 
I know. I I'm working on that. I am well, working you know, on that. Let's let's pivot to that because this is a. I think this would be a huge movie because DC movies are hit and miss, but this one is, I think, going to be a hit. I do too, and I think they they uh, nowadays with the internet being what it is and ruining everything, but also people are very judgy in cancel culture. I think that uh, people should take the flash as a film and judge the performances and not the personal lives of people that are involved. The art from the artist. Right. Because that's a thing nowadays, separate the art from the artist. And we're talking about Ezra Miller, who is a, who is a fine performer and they have made memorable contributions to screen they were terrifying and we need to talk about kevin a movie that still haunts me to this day from 2011 and uh he uh they were in they were patrick in perks of being a wallflower plus credence barebone in the fantastic beast trilogy and has been playing the flash since Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice in 2016. The other this two the, Yeah. This is the 13th of the DCEU. 13th film, which there may be one or two more we don't know. Everything is up in the air still in this DC universe. Well, Jamie Gunn and the powers that be at Warner Brothers and DC stuck with him, them, they, and I'm glad they did because they nailed that part. Mm-hmm. Fidgety. Are, the, it's it's based on the Flashpoint comics arc. It's based on that. It's not the exact story of Flashpoint because we don't find out who killed Nora Allen and. The TV show, The Flash, did this as well, and some could say to different degrees of it being better or worse. I watched all of the CW show, The Flash, and Ezra Miller showed up on it because they thought it would be fun, and it was fun. It was enjoyable, and I thought it's a great nod to the history of The Flash because I watched all nine seasons of that show. I slogged through the end. And nine seasons? nine seasons of the flash. Well, there were 10 seasons of Smallville that I slogged through. DC used to do television better than Marvel. Now that has switched because Marvel does better. Oh, have you watched the first two episodes of Secret Invasion on Disney Plus? No. Is it good? It it will shock you. It's it's going to be a very game-changing thing. But let's get back to DC. Whenever there's DC content. It's always compared to Marvel and vice versa. Actually, no, not vice versa. It's just DC content because Marvel has been so much of a powerhouse the last 12 years. And so whenever DC comes out, but, but you realize this movie reminds you because this movie should be called The Flash. It should be called The Fan Service because The Flash is just a cog in the wheel of what's going on in this movie. So you have two Flashes, you have two-ish Batmans. You have Superman, Supergirl. The rest of Justice League does get mentioned. So I know. I like the Justice League mythology, and that's because I grew up 
uh, my first introduction to Batman was Adam West in the in the TV series from 66 to 68. And um, although I didn't see it in its first run, they ran reruns of Superman with George mm -hmm. Reeves when I was a kid, that 50s TV series and all about truth, justice and the American way. So the DC people were my introduction to superheroes. And I find it interesting that in 2008, two movies that made my top 10 were The Dark Knight and Iron Man. So we had DC and Marvel reemerge in a spectacular way. And we have since then, Carl, I think we've watched, oh, what, maybe 50 movies of these superheroes and I've just dabbled in some of the TV shows not like a deep dive like some of our fellow critics and you have done but I enjoyed this movie uh, for many reasons and one of the reasons that I liked is that the Easter eggs are wonderful and Michael Keaton is awesome as batman. bruce wayne batman and to see him return to the character that he played in 89 and 92 is so fun it's just thrilling and everybody responded in such a big way uh, there there's also a couple reveals which we're not going to talk about because the Easter eggs are so much fun. But there are some nods to other people playing these roles. And the audience goes crazy for yeah. seeing those people on screen. Yeah. Well, you and I saw it with a bunch of comic book enthusiasts. Well, and I've seen it. I've seen it twice. I know. And what uh, I was trying to think, what was the biggest reaction that we can allude to? Well, they've shown, they've shown Michael Keaton in the trailers. They've shown Supergirl in the trailers and they have shown two Barry Allen's in the trailers. So I think that is safe to say. Yeah. So, uh, the but it's the, fun. I had fun watching this movie. I did too, and and I think the uh, I think Ezra Miller has the snarkiness of the character down, and he has the emotional depth. They, they, they he's playing. They are playing Barry Allen. Who is a he? They have the emotional depth to convey the true heartache of losing his uh, Barry Allen's mother and trying that's to defend the, his father. That's the story of Flashpoint. Flashpoint, Barry goes back in time to save both parents because his father's accused of killing his mother. And that is the story of Flashpoint. Oh, I like that they have a, a female a screenwriter, co-screenwriter, because Christina Hodgson is responsible for Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie, which is top tier DC. So e I even I though it think, has a villain problem. So I think she adds to that. So I guess time will tell. Stay tuned. We have seen. I, I enjoyed. Quite, yeah, I enjoyed we have seen quite a lot of the big 
blockbuster movies seeming all at once. And one of our favorites are usually are the latest Pixar outing. And I so know Pixar's we did, downswing recently. Yeah, the end. That we didn't. Yeah, we didn't much like Onward, which was the last movie I saw before the pandemic hit. And uh, I was not a fan of Good Dinosaur, and I don't think you were. And this director, Peter Sohn, he's back. But I enjoyed Elemental. I liked Elemental, too. It's the first time that Pixar has had a love story. And you can tell that Pixar is on a downswing because there's no way, even five years ago, that a DC superhero movie would open up the same weekend as a Pixar movie. They would get out of each other's way. This just shows that both both statures have gone down for both DC and Pixar. And so now you have Elemental and The Flash opening up same weekend, which is, I think, mind-boggling. And you'd not, you would not have dreamed that would happen a couple of years ago. Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Jamie Gunn does with dc are st louis's own uh because he's entrusted to uh i guess re uh to rejuvenate well and his brother sean is going to stay in the mcu and he uh which is funny and they uh he, he stood by ezra miller and ezra miller showed up on the red carpet the other night and said Thanks. Yes. Thank the powers that be. Yeah. And that's the first time he's been uh, seen in in two years. So I think a lot of, a lot of mellow drama with Ezra Miller. In fact, um, some would say self-inflicted and well, uh, uh, the people that are going to see him in court are definitely going to say, excuse me, see them in court, say self-inflicted. That there is there are many articles of the timeline of the Ezra Miller situation. If if you're interested, read them. If not, just enjoy the movie. But let's talk about Elemental. This yes, yes. Uh, first first love story in a while. Yes, and uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed its lofty goals. What it was it's trying the, it's to the first say. Love story since uh, you could say that Luca had elements of love story, but it's really more of a friendship. But I guess uh, Toy Story 4 was the last love element of something that was going on in a Pixar story with Bo and Woody. Yeah, I love, love that uh, this is Wade and Ember, and Ember has to learn how to control her temper, and yeah, Wade I didn't, is go with the flow guy. That. I didn't believe any of that. And, and every single person's name is a pun, so that makes me think that there are very limited names in this world. It starts out with uh, water lives in this world, and then earth, wind, and fire show up. In I think in that order, it might be wind, earth, and fire, but it, it doesn't matter. But fire is last, and fire is the uh, last group to assimilate. So it is it is an immigration story. Yes, but and, it's also uh, a mixed marriage story. Well. Pete Sohn, the director, based it in part on his Korean immigrant parents' story, how they came to the Bronx and set up a shop. 
And I hey, find that what, what what I don't believe that. That just that is what happens in this story. I know. I read that when I was mm -hmm. doing my research. But I like that it's about understanding people's differences, finding common ground. It's also Pixar goes to the well about this a couple of times. Uh, your dreams versus your family. Yeah, obligation. she doesn't know she has these dreams until other people pointed out to her that uh, Ember is I I didn't like Ember. I liked the story. I liked everybody else, but Ember is not really like I did. Um, I was okay with her because she was learning. But yeah, she's uh, she's got issues. I really well, like way. Yeah, I know she does so have a temper. Very... Yeah, I did like Wade. Like, I will say, okay, so her parents are called Bernie and Cinder. Ha ha ha. The other, and Brooke, voiced by Catherine O'Hara, mm -hmm. is on the Wade side of the family. <laughs> but it's one hour and forty nine minutes, and I would say it's not for the wee ones because we had we had many restless toddlers at our screening and i sat next to a screaming baby so i uh and didn't we hear one last night but we'll talk about that later but uh mama do a tea is voicing wade and leah lewis is voicing ember and i thought it was just sweet i think it's what pixar does best but also, I think the film goes to places that they haven't been before. And there are moments that take your breath away visually. It's very beautiful. Yeah, so uh, I I was pleasantly surprised because since it debuted at Cannes, it hasn't been getting the best reviews. So I like to be, it's way better to get surprised by how much you like something than being really disappointed. Well, The Flash debuted at Comic-Con or one of the comic things and was getting excellent reviews. And now that people are seeing it, it's getting middling reviews. Elemental debuted at Con and got middling reviews. And now it's getting better reviews now that people are seeing it. I know. No, well, you know those people. People make assumptions till we see things, and that leads me to the next movie, Maggie Moore's with the parenthetical S. It is John Hamm and Tina Fey, directed by John Slattery of Mad Men, and uh, it, it uh, John Hamm plays a police chief in a dusty desert town. And he is investigating the bizarre back-to-back -back murders of two women named Maggie Moore. Tina Fey is not used enough, and she plays the nosy next-door neighbor of one victim. And uh, she's divorced, and uh, she meddles. And uh, she and John Hamm have a great relationship because when she was doing 30 Rock, he played the boyfriend drew that was in the bubble and he's been involved in her unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And they just have a natural spark and uh, that's not used here to affect. And the villain, Micah Scott stock is a good actor, but he's not likable here. And 
Nick Mohammed who plays like you're not you're not supposed yeah. to like the villain. No, but he's just such a jerk. And um, you know, you're trying to look for something uh because he gets himself involved in a very sticky situation and he's trying to get out of it, but he does all the wrong things to get out of it. So you wanna kind of hope the guy solves it, but then he just does all these terrible things. So you can't root for him. But uh he actually when I saw this play on Broadway called It's Only a Play. Uh, 2014 was the big comedy hit. It had an all-star cast led by Nathan Lane and Megan Mullally. Mm. And it had Chuck Stocker Channing, Rupert Grint from Harry Potter, Matthew Broderick, Micah Stock stole the show in that mm. play. And he was a rookie. Nobody knew who he was. And he was the only one of that entire cast to get a Tony nomination. So that's how I, my introduction to him. And so this one, he's a clod. They want to be Coen brothers so much. This movie's trying so hard to have, to strike that balance between comedy and tragedy, yeah. but it does not succeed. And I thought it was going to open in St. Louis but it did open elsewhere in the country, but it is available for video on demand and it's $6.99 if you use Amazon or Redbox or whatever you use for streaming videos. Well, I I thought he I thought John Hamm was good in Fletch. I Fletch just came and went, which is unfortunate. I thought it was fun. I know he is very good in Fletch and also uh, he's fine in this. There's nothing wrong with John Hamm. It's just the material doesn't serve him well. Let's put it like that. And John Slattery, who we worked with on Mad Men for all those many years, actors must love him, which is why he got such talented people to be in this. But he his first movie was that God's Pocket it was terrible. It was the last movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman. It was really okay. dour and dark and ooh. So, but he and Tina Fey played a couple in that series on Amazon, Modern Love, that was one yes. of my favorites. So, of course, she says yes to him for this movie. So, you know, it's like that. I did start watching the Stanley documentary but i didn't finish it and i um did uh, read some articles about it just glosses over things and it, it has a big 30-year gap carl <laughs> between well, 1980 I, and 2010 yeah i wonder why because he wasn't really working for marvel then so, so this is a marvel production yeah and it's on disney plus and if you want uh -huh. to know more about Stan Lee, watch it, but then go do a deeper dive. Learn, do your own research. Right. And there is a, a documentary short on HBO called How Do You Measure a Year? And I encourage everyone to take a half hour and watch it because it is moving and profound and relatable and you'll have a great time. This director, a filmmaker... Wait, Jay wait, Rosen. will you have a great time? It is not a it is not a story where you're gonna have a great time, but well you'll have be informed. Yes. Uh I mean it'll it'll 
I mean, like get the box of Kleenex, mm -hmm. but I mean, but as to watch somebody's development, a Jay Rosenblatt, this director, uh, filmed his daughter, Ella, from age two to age 18. And yes, and that it's is heartbreaking. The, yes. But you know what? Then? Speaking of heartbreaking, we didn't mention Carl's date. Oh, that's right. So the very last episode of Doug Days, which was on Disney Plus, is going to be in front of Elemental, which they have not had a short in front of Elemental or in front of Pixar films since Incredibles 2. And the reason they have done that is because of Disney Plus, because they want people to watch these things on Disney Plus. But Carl's Date is the final episode, the very last episode of Doug Days, which is the story of Doug and Carl from Up. Which and, is so entertaining. And I really thought, just like with Cynthia Mann at Beautiful, I really thought they dedicated to Ed Asner, and they didn't. So I was confused by that. But it's really sweet because Carl accidentally gets himself invited on a date and Doug is trying to help him buy her a gift and it's very cute and he feels first he feels guilt then he feels unprepared and then he feels like he can move on with his life because that's the whole story of up is moving on right which is it's and moving it's, up yeah and Doug so funny like sniffer backside <laughs> yeah it was I we it's we would be remiss if we did not mention that that is the first thing before elemental that's right that's right and elemental is one hour and 49 minutes maggie moore's is one hour 39 minutes i know i've been saying these times of movies because movies are getting really long in the tooth and uh, carl and, and I the flash just... is two hours and 29 minutes right and uh we just saw indiana jones and the dial of destiny which is two hours and 34 minutes but so, it doesn't feel that long. But And we'll have to talk about that at the end of the month because no one has seen or heard anything about it yet. Right, because it starts June 30th. One of the fun facts of a movie that we saw last night with the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, The Princess Bride in Concert, which has been covered by Chicago Symphony, Toronto Symphony, and other symphonies. Uh, and it was at Stiefel, not Paul Hall, because of the renovations. It was a packed house. Everybody laughed. Everybody cheered. People broke into applause at some of the most memorable lines. That movie is like one hour and uh, and 40 minutes. And we had an intermission. So they used to make movies like this in 1987 where everything got said. And this is the kind of movie where you want to see more of these people Carrie Elways and Robin Wright are so pretty as the uh, the the heroine and the hero, and and of course Wallace Shawn is hilarious, and Andre the Giant and Mandy Patinkin and Billy Crystal and Carol Kane. I well, loved I loved Andre the Giant. He was so great in this movie. Hello, and lady. Hello, Hello, lady. And, and then, then he was he was on Young Rock. Well, not him, but his character was on Young Rock, which was just canceled by NBC, which is unfortunate because I thought that show was cute. But it's now 
over. But watching Young Rock and seeing Andre the Giant again, and you hear all these stories. You did you watch that HBO documentary on Andre the Giant? It's no. really fascinating. Is it good? It is fascinating. I loved it. It was great. I I would watch it again. It he was just such a for being there were so many i know i've started like five sentences without finishing one there were not many things that andre could be and and he made the most of his life that's really sweet he was because belleville's big on wrestling he came to uh-huh. a local hunt because uh you know wrestling at the chase and and that so the wrestling community in our area is really fond of him yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody talks about how likable he was. So Carl and I were at the uh, one night of the Princess Bride, but there's another night. Father's Sunday, Day. Father's Day, June 18th at 7 p.m. So if you want to have a good communal time watching a movie that's a classic, I think that's about as perfect of a movie as can be. Yeah. And the the music was written by Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits, except it was a two piece that did the music, but they rewrote the score for a symphony orchestra. Yes. And it was uh, directed by Rob Reiner. And uh, he is an actor's director, obviously. Robin Wright, it was her first movie. And she talks about how everybody bonded because they had so much laughter making it and and i just it was just it's just we're oh fred savage little fred savage who who uh, is in some trouble nowadays yes and uh this is around the time where he filmed uh the wonder years right and, and peter, peter falk to see peter falk um is one of the things that he did at the end of his career and how great he was it just is joyful. It just brings you joy. And who doesn't want more joy in their lives? Speaking of goofy fun, the Clash of the Titans live parody has one final show at the Westport Playhouse tonight. And uh, if you by wanna, the time this is up, it might not be there anymore. I know. But if if it is, because I know this is cutting it close, but um Kraken is the promo code for ten dollars off. And it is by the Cherokee Street Theater Company, and they specialize in movie parodies. And they are a nimble group, as fleet as a improv group. And they are so fun uh, playing all these Greek gods and heroes. And the Kraken is released, and you get like a sprinkle of water on you. You feel like yeah. you have raindrops. And, and it's everybody just being silly. And so I just enjoy people uh, finding their bliss. Let's put it like that. Well, I'm going to go see Aida today. And then Lynn and I will see Beauty and the Beast next week. So I'm seeing theater as well. Right. And I'm going to the improv shop tonight to see the 145s. And it's a musical that they're improvising. That sounds dangerous. I know. So I haven't ever seen the improv shop people. Have you? I don't think so. So I am spreading my wings by by trying watching. something new. Yeah, trying something new. Speaking of something new for uh, one of our local restaurants, Four Hens Creole Kitchen, 
that is in the city foundry, St. Louis, and is fantastic. If you haven't eaten their fried green tomatoes or their chicken dollins or their shrimp and grits, get over to the foundry because they will knock your socks off. And so they indeed kick it up a notch. They were selected for the Food Network's 16th season of Great Food Truck Race. So they spent uh, January in L.A. filming it, and now it's going to be on Sunday night, 7 p.m., Food Network. But you can stream it on Discovery Plus and on Max, besides huh. having multiple screenings on the thing. So this is the first episode. Uh, they liked, I talked to Brittany and Brandy. Brandy's the chef. Brittany's the business person. They are a married couple with two children. And their buddy, who's like their brother, Zendrix Burnt White, is their third teammate. So fun fact, I did an article in St. Louis Magazine about them. You want to Google Four Hens Creole Kitchen in the Great American, in the Great Food Truck Race. They used to call it the Great American Food Truck Race, but now they have since dropped the American. Uh, they Fun facts, they said that Tyler Florence was really helpful, really personable, somebody at that level to take time to want to make them succeed. And Tyler said that Brandy's shrimp and grits were some of the best he's ever had in his life. And he's from South Carolina. And ah. She makes them with smoked Gouda. And all the teams got along. When does that wow. happen? There's nine uh, teams. So they're one of nine teams. And she said they have a text thread. They have a group chat. Still? In fact, uh, she's having a watch party at a, a foundry on Sunday night, 6 to 8 p.m. near their, their stall. They have an area. Um, that they're going to set up a big screen and and you know have fun. It's free, open to the public, six to eight, and uh, a team. One of their competitors from Indiana, called the Block, coming from Indianapolis to be with them for this Good. for the reveal. So because of the NDAs, they couldn't tell me too much. But LA has four thousand food trucks. Think about that. So they had to find places to be able to sell. They had to put up with all sorts of stressors. And I'm excited to see them because those two are real go-getters and they are so fun to talk to. And I look forward to seeing them go, uh, you know, they want to make St. Louis proud. Well, good. Well, that's that'll be interesting. Something you could do on Father's Day that if you... Want to take your dad out? If your dad watches those shows, you could do that. Right. There's a lot to do this weekend. Well, it's a busy summer. Yes. Are we missing any other movies? Uh, I don't think so. Luke Combs is at Bush Stadium tonight, if you like that. And you like his version of Fast Car by Tracy Chapman that you've been hearing on the radio. That is a travesty. <laughs> well, you can yell that at him at Bush Stadium tonight. I will say the cover of Fast Car that is most excellent is the Black Pumas. Okay. And and especially if you watch them live on Colbert during the, uh, well, it wasn't really live because it was during the pandemic. Mm. 
but that Eric Burton, who's the lead singer, has got such a soulful voice, and it's a beautiful version of the Tracy Chapman classic. And Luke Combs doesn't even change the working as a checkout girl line. Okay. Yes, but it's a country song, so you can be anything you want it to be. All right. I know. I'm not being kind. And we, and we what did we learn about pronouns today, Lynn? They, them, there. Lovely. Lynn, where can we find you online and everywhere else? I am on KTRS every Friday at 11.08 with Jennifer Blum and Wendy Weiss. I am in Webster Kirkwood Times on Friday and online Thursday nights. And if you miss the print uh, publication, you can get it online that next Monday. My IEDA review hasn't made the print yet, but it will. And uh, we have the website, poplifestl.com, and also our weekly podcast. And next week, Carl, we're having two two guests and so we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fun addition because this week we had so much that we just kept it to ourselves carl where can we find you you can find me on instagram and twitter at underscore carl the intern you can also find me on the radio monday through friday on the mark cox morning show on 97.1 fm talk and on the weekends on kmox and 97.1 for Second Amendment Radio, and The Great Outdoors. So I'm everywhere on the radio seven days a week, online, very infrequently. I will do another monthly photo dump on Instagram and Twitter at the end of the month, doing all of, picking the 10 best things that I've done this month. Maybe I should do it more often because we do a lot of things. We're out all the dang time. You are. And uh, I thought I was out a lot, but you are really out a lot. And <laughs> that's a fun thing. The top 10 things that you did that the, during the month. That's a good well, because I Instagram like only lets you put 10 pictures up in a post. I don't, I can't figure it out. Instagram. <laughs> I will well, have to talk to you. We'll yeah. Talk, I, I have to get we'll a young person week. to, to do that for me, but I want to do a shout out to my friend, Marge Modulin, who is, it's her birthday today. And it's also uh, the Modulin family's wedding of uh, Laura. And that's a big deal. And I'm heading east side to cover news because Dawn Elzer is going to have a school named after her after 34 years of teaching first grade and being a superintendent. Congratulations, Dawn. So how about that? Happy Father's Day, all the fathers. We we love you as you wish. That is a wonderful sentiment. Yes, fathers, role models, and alike. Father figures. Uncle Charlie, I miss you. Bye-bye. Bye. Stay safe. Be well. 